We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Jack Ramsey, Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague. It is a Friday afternoon. Neither Brandon nor I had to work today. Thank God. Shout out the holidays. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you guys. The Portland Trailblazers dropped their game last night to the Washington Wizards in, uh, I don't know, painful, brutally painful, awful fashion. Uh, we got a bajillion questions from the mailbag. I think there was like 37 billion. 37, whatever. Same thing. Uh, we'll get to a bunch of those, uh, as well as kind of discuss the last week, Anthony Simon's arrival, the alpha talk back and forth. Uh, it's like, it sounds like I asked a question that just pissed everybody off again. There we go. Awesome. Um, like, rate, view, subscribe. Help us grow the show. You can find us across all your social medias, at Danny Bring at Brandon Sprague, at Jack Dramsey's email at show, jackdramsey's at gmail.com. And a reminder, we're brought to you by Move In Souls. Brandon Sprague, how you doing, buddy? Uh, that is Alpha Brandon Sprague to you. Uh, oh, there so, we go. Uh, I think the rest of this podcast would be Alpha Meringue, Alpha Sprague. Start calling is... you BB because you're just a beta. Uh, yeah. <laughs> beta Brandon. Hey, you know what? If my coach called me a beta, I, I'd kind of want to. I want to have a conversation with him. I I picked a hell of a first game of the year to go to last night, Daniel. You went last night. I did. You didn't, didn't come say hi. Uh, I was with the wife, and we got there mm. just as the tip. Dude, by the way, traffic, uh, randomly awful. Oh, no and way! Going into Christmas weekend, traffic was crappy? Breaking news, I know. And so we walk in, the <laughs> anthem had wrapped. They had literally just tipped the basketball as okay. we found our seats. I was going to come at halftime, but then the wife wanted to go get a drink. I saw mm. you walk to the media section underneath, you know, by where the uh, locker room is. Oh, uh, okay. And I almost yelled at you, but I was in the 200 level, and you wouldn't have heard me, and I would have looked like an idiot in my section. I don't know. It was pretty quiet in there. It was pretty quiet. My section was not quiet. My section was actively booing and bemoaning uh, the play of the Portland Trailblazers for 2.75 of those quarters. Oh, yeah, that first quarter sucked. Well, you didn't know how to describe it. I and We can get into all of this. I I find it all very interesting. Um, I'm well aware this season is not about winning basketball games. This team is not going to be doing that a whole lot. But I do find myself being surprised by them when they play teams with uh, better pedigrees, teams with more accolades or recognition in the league. Phoenix, two games ago, was kind of this, right? I don't they, think Phoenix They play really... up and they play down. 
Yeah, it's like the opponent's here. Let's play our asses off and either choke away a lead late or maybe we pull Steal an upset. And then, yeah. yeah, then you play Utah or you play Washington. And, well, we're going to completely no-show. And we can get into all that. But is mm-hmm. is as big picture stuff as we have discussed and feel, Danny, I I have found myself a couple times, and last night was definitely it, like almost devastated. Like, how, how did you lose this game? Washington sucks. They don't like each other. And they, they play a wonky style of basketball that looks very Jordan discombobulated. Poole is a comedy of errors. Jordan Poole is the biggest flopper I've seen since Manu Ginobili. So it's just like, I don't know. It kind of it kind of pissed me off a little bit. I will admit it. It was frustrating because I know they're capable of winning that game by ten or more. I don't disagree, and that's been a a mark. I mean, honestly, that's a mark of a young team playing up to and down to competition. Like, oh, you know, we got to get ready. These guys are good, and then knowing that the Jordan Poole clown show is coming to town, no, we're fine. We can mess around, and but you're not. You can't. Like even good teams can't really mess around. Like you right. saw what you saw what Kuz did. Like yeah. Kuzma goes for 14 in the first quarter because you were messing around. And you can say what you want to about the big sweater goofy guy who likes to quote everybody with or quote tweet everybody with why you want to trade me, but the man can score. He's a good basketball player. Like he's like I said, goofy as hell does not mean he can't hoop. Right. Like those those two are different things, on versus off court. Jordan Poole, different story. But um the Blazers aren't good enough. And even those teams that are good enough, when they do that, they get nipped every now and then. It's it's still the NBA, so that's something that, that they need to kind of go over. Um, I, I did, Danny. I did like what Chauncey said though, in watching the post game, and we'll get to the question that you know kind of led to the quote of all quotes. But I kind of I kind of agreed with Chauncey though, where he's like, "We're young, but we're not starting young." Jeremy's not young. Ant is by age young, not league-wise young. DA, same thing. Like, they've got guys that know what it takes and have been part of winning situations. And that's where the letdown to me is. The young guys coming in and screwing things up from time to time, That like, that's going to happen. It's more like, yo, you know you can take care of this team. Yeah. Why come out and be so slow starting? It just, the I don't know, the energy was lacking. No, for sure. And that was something I not just thought last night I asked, but I asked the game before against the Suns because it was a bit of a slow slow burn there as well. And remember what came out of that was the uh, we, we've got a bunch of cool guys like to cool their way into the game. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think Chauncey meant that as like <sighs> negative is not the right word. I, I don't think he meant that as like divisive. He was just looking at his locker room. He does. Like you go in that locker room, JG is as cool as they come. Smoothest dude you'll ever come across. Uh, Malk doesn't really say much, particularly when, when we're, when we're in there, like he's all, all business, just all right, cool. And mm-hmm. everybody knows Ant didn't say a word until a year and a half ago. Right. Shay doesn't say anything. And when he does, it's, it's like mildly goofy DA. Look, I know people are, are split. It's a DA is a very polarizing guy. DA is always on 11 when he's in there, just being kind of goofy. Like he's that's he's a very likable guy. Tease is. <sighs> you ever watch a doc? You ever watch House? I watched a little bit of House. Yeah, Hugh Laurie, like kind of a mm-hmm. a, a very shrewd smartass. Yeah, that's Tease. Yep, like very. Well, he had he the, showed that on the jumbotron actually when the, they the were Chauncey like, gift. What would you buy Chauncey? And he's like, I'm not buying Chauncey anything. I yeah. hope he buys me something, though. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. And I love Teeth. Incredibly intelligent. Very thoughtful. Like, what, what you, if you ask him something, he'll always kind of have, like, a, 
uh, a pause and then think about it. Maybe ask like a clarifying question or something like that. Or he'll be a complete smartass, like when I asked him the other day about how he stole the ball with his back to the play, basically, and basically stole the ball behind his back, and he's like, I pretty much just make it up as I go. It's pretty cool, huh? Like, <laughs> that's, again, to to my point and to Chauncey's point of, like, they're just very cool. Like, they don't have, they don't, like, Tumani's the only guy in there who has, like, edge, so to speak, that he plays with all the time, and can play with a little bit of an edge get a little pissed off. You saw him kind of go back and forth with Luca and yeah. he's starting to develop like a little, little Emerald glassy bam, but it's not, it's not there all the time. And I think, well, you know, as we get to that, like that's part of what led into the, the alpha comment. Well, so we can talk about it a little bit. Well, I, I think uh, on that though, you know, I remember Dame in so many years with CJ I, I don't know if you classify it as too cool. I think I think Dame kind of knew how to operate in that space. And like he had a CJ that he knew was going to come out and maybe go for 16 in the first quarter. And yep. he could kind of warm his way into it. And, and we'll get into this alpha stuff because I find it fascinating because that league is highly driven on terms like that. Like the word alpha is a big deal in that league, given there's only five at a time. But even if Ann is a slow starter and I like Jeremy. You know, we can talk about DA here, but if Ant's the slow starting Dame type, who is his CJ? And maybe he just doesn't have a CJ and it's point blank that easy. But you going through the list of of their of their character, T smartass, JG, super chill vibe guy, Ant, quiet, but like, you know, real firm competitor, but maybe needs to kind of warm into the game mm-hmm. as opposed to just starting on fire. The guy that, like, I think me and maybe a lot of other Blazer fans would say, though, Danny, to that is there's a $30 million player in the middle who got a restart of his career and rebranded mm-hmm. himself, dominate, and, like, if you're going to need somebody to come out with an edge, I I can't believe I'm saying just Tumani there and we're not talking about how that's DA. Yeah. Like, come in and be pissed off every game. Every game you should be looking at a team as if they have a Phoenix Suns jersey on, and I think that's, that's a letdown thing to hear for me is – I, I just would naturally assume D.A. would be a guy coming out and playing with some of that edge. And I didn't see that last night. I saw Gafford outperforming him in the first quarter. Yeah, particularly in the first quarter. And what's, what's been interesting is the Blazers have looked to get D.A. involved early the last couple of games, particularly with Ant back. And again, they've only played a handful of games together. And it's like it's not a secret. Look at his last two games. Field goal percentage against the Suns sucked. Like, that's full stop. But he was getting looks up. The 18 shots is more important than how many shots he missed, which was 12. Uh, I thought you actually asked the best question in that post game, not to pat you on the back, but is the process versus the the shot selections that they have? Did you like the process of those shots, or did you feel like some of those were forced? I I was kind of th- I was wondering that same yeah. thing because it felt like he had a good game, but I also knew his field goal percentage was terrible. So. I don't know. That was an interesting question to get from Chauncey. Yeah, no, and I, I, he basically said yes. Like, we want, like, there wasn't, really the last two games, there hasn't been a shot DA or Ant have taken where I've been like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, Same. With it, when it comes to Ant, Ant is almost, he's not at, but he's almost to the level of Dame where, like, if it's inside 30, go ahead, bud. Like, right. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of shot-making ability he has. And we'll, we'll talk about where he stands right now because <laughs> he's up there across the board yeah. at everything. <laughs> and he still hasn't put together a full game yet. That's the terrifying thing. He's Brandon and I were talking before the show. There's 
I mean, we might have to little, have a little side bet on how uh, how many fifty point games he gets to this year. I oh, I mean, I feel like the number is yeah, probably I, two I, and a half. I, I remember I was sitting there with my wife, and I'm like, if he doesn't have a bad first quarter, like this dude's getting he has fifty points in this yeah. game, and and that was kind of the unfortunate part of it. I do want to get to the, the the massive thing, so we're kind of in lockstep, like. And we have a question that I think is kind of perfect for what we just talked out loud about, but mm-hmm. I'm going to bring it back anyway. I do want to get to the big deal. The big deal that obviously there's no shade and sharp last night. He gets injured, but you come out and the wizards are the wizards and that's your performance. Chauncey, you asked him basically what needs to change on both sides of the court. And he kind of went on a defensive tangent. You kind of like yeah. followed up and said, well, what about offense? And I want to read the exact quote from you because uh, Ryan Clark of the Oregonian put out the quick snippet mm-hmm. and everybody ran with like, what are you kidding me? Uh, Hyken tried to put more context to it, and it was the question that you would ask, and he said, on the offensive side, you want to start games and get the ball moving. We don't have an alpha-type dude on our team. It just is what it is. We got some hell of a players, guys that are going to be all-stars in this league, but right now we don't have that dude that you can throw it to, and he'll get us going for the first four or five minutes of the game. We just don't have that, so we've got to do it collectively. You are well aware how that league operates Danny, mm-hmm. when you heard him say the alpha line, even with the context of the answer, what what went through your head? Did it re- did it register right away? Like, oh, what? Excuse me. My eyebrows raised, and I immediately thought that was Chauncey challenging Ant. My immediate thought process. Yeah, I I talked to a couple other folks uh, last night uh, around the NBA about said quote, and they were in lockstep. Talked to a couple other players. I was like, hey, interesting quote from Chauncey Knight. What do you think this means? Sounds like he's calling him up to the stage. I mean, you saw Ant have 41. He mm-hmm. was incredible. He threw the team on their back. But what, did it feel like something was missing? And no, I'm not talking about the last possession. <laughs> <laughs> we can get into that. Tonight, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but did it feel like something was missing? And I would say yes. I would say Ant did the stuff necessary. What's very funny about this, I've already had a few people like, oh, you're you're going to bat for Chauncey and you're 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 going to bat for the team. Do you guys forget who I am with my relationship with Ant? I was the guy there on day one that everybody said was insane because I said the kid was special in Summer League when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. That hasn't changed. But what has changed is he's on a big boy contract now. And with big boy contract comes the expectations. And it's not just like, Ant is already very good. There are people that I talk to in the league that I trust very much who think he can be special. And if they think he can be special, I defer to them. Yeah. And to be special, he needs to take that step. I think he's taking those steps. I don't think he's there yet. But... And again, this isn't about being Dame. This is about being his own version of a leader. Whether that means he's more of a talker or he's quiet. Mm -hmm. It's a, he needs to be a motivator. He needs to be a guy that holds guys accountable, which means he needs to be the first one in working and the last one done working. It's stuff that you don't see that materializes in the game later. And I think those are the things, those are the processes that, and the things he has to do 
And Sam says in the, in the chat, an alpha isn't handed anything. They take it. And I think yeah. that's what Chauncey was challenging last night. Come and take it. Well, okay. So there's a lot to unpack here. And there could be some very big differences of just perspective on this. I kind of I, I took away the same kind of thought of, oh, that's a challenge. That's a public challenge. And you assume it's it's at the guys that you, you think of, right? Whether it's Ant or DA or just Ant. But my takeaway kind of was like, let's say it's just Ant and I, I get it. I don't know, man, 41 points in a game. And I, I'm with you. Like, I watched it. I felt what you're saying. There's something There's something missing. But, like, he was asked about this in the post game by you. And he didn't go, <gasps> he said, what? It more registered of, like, him thinking about the game, the start of it. And my takeaway is he's a guy that knows he can score 40 points in a game, Danny. There's got to be an element, even in a team that's not good by most standards, there's got to be an element of like, I can't just, I can't erupt for four straight quarters. Like I gotta, I have to have help. I have to have guys do things. And like, again, he could probably play a cleaner first quarter. I won't argue that, but I don't know. I, um, if two threes fall in the first quarter, all of a sudden everything looks completely different in the first quarter. 100%. That, that's yes. how insane like that, that what was the final score of the first quarter? 33, 24. Okay. If you take a look yes. at the first quarter, Ant shot 0 of 4 from three. He hits two threes. It is a 33-30 first quarter. It ends the night with 47 to 51 points. But, I mean, four, four looks just from three in the first quarter like that. He's he's doing something. He just didn't hit his shots. They all actually yes. collectively didn't start making threes until late third no. quarter. They were, like, sub-30% for most of that first quarter. So, like, I, I get what he's doing. But, like, you don't need – alphas don't need to be called out to be alpha. They, they are. And and we can get to his numbers, whether here or later, because we want to get to these mailbag questions. I, I just don't think you can say he's not. Now, like, do you want the leadership qualities of Dame? Yeah, I thought that was the most – maybe the underrated thing we were going to lose with Dame was that dude just knew how to connect at a leader level from a very early – it just was. It's how he's built. And I'm not saying Ant can't get there. But there are elements of Dame in terms of that with leadership that I don't know if I ever see Ant doing because it's not even his personality type. No, it's not an Ant thing. It's like Dame was one of one because of that. Yes. Like Dame is, is, has been consistently looked at as one of the best leaders in not just basketball, but sports. Like he, he, is, he is looked at in that way. That is special. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That you aren't as good a leader as Damien Lamont, Ollie Lillard Sr. is not a shot. <laughs> Like, right, so this is kind of my Almost point. everyone isn't. <laughs> but, like, when you make it, I mean, we could make a really good argument with the numbers you could throw out right now that right now in the NBA. Ant's one of the Ant most dominant alpha. offensive players in the league right now. And he has yet to truly put together a game. We're just kind of run through it real quick. Yeah, so, throw us the numbers. So, effective field goal percentage, he's in the 60th percentile, which you're like, oh, that's pretty good. Well, he's in the 95th percentile of usage. 95th percentile of usage. Then you go into points per shot attempt. He's in the 84th percentile. So dumb high usage, dumb high efficiency. Those typically, there's a, it's a sliding, they don't usually have a straight line. Okay. What's been interesting is that, again, small sample size theaters, nine total games, eight games now that he's been back. Yeah. And he's been with DA, I think it was game five last five. night. Okay. Mm -hmm. The Synergy Sports uh, data, which 
again, it's possession-based. It doesn't account for everything. I can pull up the second spectrum stuff here too. But in isolation, he's in the 77th percentile. In spot-up, he's in the 85th percentile. In handoffs, he's in the 93rd percentile. Off-screens, he's in the 81st percentile. In the pick-and-roll right now, he's in the 61st percentile. And historically, he has been between the 83rd and 90th. So he's trying to figure out that relationship with DeAndre Ayton, and he's still putting up 27, 6, and 4. On this is kind of my point. Like, yeah, this is my he's point. Not, he's not even being the guy that yet that we kind of expect him to be with uh, regards to, number one, his mid-range ability, which has been strangely i've asked him about that he's like i don't know man it just doesn't it's, it's just not going he's like i'm getting looks i want to go they're just not going in which so you'll see some yeah you, i think you'll see a course correction in that um and then his pick and roll relationship with da over the last couple of games it's been whoop through the roof like you're seeing the opportunities da didn't capitalize on some but you're seeing things open up drastically and as an offensive engine he's probably top 10 top 12 Right okay, now. so by I mean, when you're talking about individual scoring ability, he's pretty pretty incredible right now. But you're laying out exactly my point. Like I know I'm watching an elite basketball player when I see him play. I'm almost wondering, and and I'm sure you could poo-poo this, but like, is that message really for Ant? Or is it for the center who's coming out and looking a little lethargic to start a game and like, yo, Ant shot four threes in the first quarter, he just didn't make them. He's at least putting up that effort, whereas like you came out and you kind of got your ass busted by the Wizards, and I don't. His numbers ended up being okay for that game last night, but I don't know, man. When you call yourself, when you when you incorporate a dominant into your name as like a nickname, and Daniel Gafford comes out and kind of steals your lunch money in the first quarter, like I I I kind of view that. I'm sure maybe for Chance it was about Ant getting going earlier, but. You got a $30 million center that, like, I kind of want him to be dominating in the first quarter and helping Ann out a little bit. You know, and for for reference, uh, Gafford had three block shots in that first quarter. Gafford was a problem last night. Gafford was good last yeah. night. I was like, my wife was like, this guy's normally not this good. This is a he, good no, player. He's, he's a good player. Like, like, if you're looking at Wizards roster, it's Koulibaly, it's Kispert, it's Gafford. Like, that's Avdia as well. But beyond that, like, Tyus Jones, great. Like, if he's your backup. I think Tyus guard, Jones is a really good backup. He, he, as I say, if he's your backup, you're the best backup in the NBA. If he's your starter, it's like, meh. Kuz is a good role guy. Sure. But, like, also, I don't like the extra stuff. So, I I, I, I downgrade him and, and even more so for Poole. Um, but I say that to say uh, Gafford's a solid, solid player. Like, 100% a solid player. The thing that I liked from DA last night, do I want more aggressiveness? Do I want to see him get his shot blocked? No. But you know what we did get? S- six shots out of him in the first quarter. Of course, somebody's ringing my doorbell, so you're hearing some dogs going absolutely insane. <laughs> Can't actually hear it that much. Oh, good. That's a th- shout out doors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the last two games, you have had DA taking shots in the first quarter. Like The Blazers, I think, are doing what they need to do to put him in opportunities to give him that chance to, because that trust thing, leaving Phoenix, it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. He's got to trust the Blazers, but the Blazers have to trust him. And I think this is them extending the olive branch to D of like, look, 
I know stuff's been a little bit rough with Ant being out and all the injuries. We're asking you to do things, and you're not seeing anything coming out of that. Hang with us. When Ant gets back, we'll like things open up. We'll 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 make sure we feature you. We'll make you feel the love that you didn't feel like you got in Phoenix. And I think they have done that particularly well in the last two games. But I think you're right. I think Chauncey is also saying, yes, hey, uh, DA, you have a $34 million a year contract. Go get it, big dog. Mm -hmm. And with the exception of those two layups that he just inexplicably lost the ball, I thought he was very good last night. I did. I thought thought he was – I mean, hell, you look at his box score, you're just like – 23, 16, okay, the five turnovers. Uh, I'm just going to hit on this right now. If DA's hands are up here, for those watching on not watching on YouTube, my hands are above my face or above my neck. DA's mm-hmm. hands are incredible, with the exception of those two missed shots. I don't know how he missed them, because typically when he gets around the rim, he's a very good finisher. Like, that's, that's the difference between him and Nurk. Very good finisher, not very good finisher. Shout out Nurk for missing those two bunnies the other night. Had more than a dozen people come to me. That's the Nurk I know and love. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. Give the guy a little bit. Let him relax. <sighs> but I say all this because when DA gets his hand on a ball, on a rebound, above his neck, it is like he's grabbing a tennis ball. It's his, man. He just boonk, 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 boonk. Which is why his defensive rebound rate is incredible. But the second that ball gets below his neck, there's zero faith. And I'm not talking about for teammates. I'm talking about him. Because as soon as he puts the ball on the floor, poke. Nurk did it to him twice. Gafford did it to him last night. Kuzma, like, the scouting report is DeAndre Ayton is when he puts the ball on the floor, go. The last time I saw this was LaMarcus Aldridge. It happened in the Houston series. In the playoff. Mm -hmm. Or not the the Houston series. It was the San um, San Antonio series. Yeah. And, um... He just it drove him crazy. Drove him crazy. And he had to fix that in order to, like, it was like, oh, that backside double team. Because there was a time where it just, like, it, it just didn't work. And then it came back. I don't know if they can or can't fix that. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's a skill thing. It's just, there's something... There's something there that just didn't make any sense. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway again last night, 18 shots last game, 21 shots this game. Like, those are the, the things that I want to see. So here's here's my follow-up. I got two. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of kick this off. We'll get the mailbag here in just a second. Uh, we got a lot of questions to, to go through and answer. Can you ha- – like – can you have an alpha if your coach has to publicly ask or say we don't have an alpha? Like, do you have an alpha if your coach is throwing that out? Maybe Chauncey didn't mean it the way that a lot of us in the media or fans or whatever would take that kind of comment. But this league is, I oh mean, that, that's a big word in this league. And when you go through the Brunsons, the Mitchells, the Ant Edwards, the Halliburtons, I don't recall moments where coaches have had to say at this point, you know, what is this, year five for Ant? Where the coach, if if you assume that's who the quote is about, where a coach is like, yeah, we, we we need an alpha on this team. Like, I don't recall hearing that a whole lot about some of these younger players that are having great careers so far. And it's not to say that Ant is. Again, I think he is personally. But Chauncey clearly was throwing some message to somebody or the team. I don't know how he parses that out. 
Can you have one if the coach is kind of openly saying you don't have one? I think you can. Uh, I think it can, get, can kind of bounce around a little bit, which can lead to inconsistencies, which is, I think, where the Blazers are. And I think he's asking somebody to take a hold of it. And this happened. This this has happened. Remember Kevin Durant, Mr. Unreliable? Well, that was a headline of a newspaper. That wasn't the coach. That wasn't... No, but like, that, that's... Those things have been said... But they got killed for that, though. Like, even the fans were like, yo, like, come on, bro. Like, and... And they, they they basically stopped working with that newspaper for a couple years. My point is, it's not uncommon for that to happen. The perception of that. I've seen coaches challenge it in different ways. Hey, we, we need better leadership. I think because he used the singular word alpha, you know, the word that in the lexicon starts, uh, you, you start getting uh, incels. You know, it's big D energy, you know, it has it has Reddit thread energy for sure. Right. Uh, now <laughs> I'm just picturing Chauncey. I'm just picturing Chauncey in the Reddit threads, just diving in now, just uh, dropping it there. Yeah. And then, yeah. So but I think that, yeah, you can you can grow into it. I think if you look around the league, like is Jason Tatum the alpha? Uh, for his team, yeah. But I mean, it, like, if I say Jason Tatum, do you think Alpha? Probably not because you, because it's not outward. Do I, if I say Nikola Jokic, does it does it, that scream Alpha? Well, but how do you define Alpha? Alpha to me is like clear cut, not a question asked by number one of my team. I don't think and it's so I would say yes to the, the number one as much as it is. It's 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 the tone setter, and yeah, normally those two Alpha are, not number one. Normally the two are the same. Yep. Kevin Durant has never been that. He was not the alpha on that Warriors team. Never has mm-hmm. been. Never was. Mm-mm. Mm. Like, is is as much as Jokic is the alpha, like, is he the alpha or is there like an alpha by committee with him I and mean, Jamal? They don't win a title unless it operates through him. Run well, through Jamal. Again, not run through. But I'm talking like it's not just the basketball side of this. You know what I mean? Like, there's more. You're to talking it. about the attitude of it too, it's right? The attitude, like you could, it's the soft you, skills, it's the come. You with could use me. Golden State Sands KD here, Danny. You could mm-hmm. say, is Steph the alpha or is Dre the alpha? And I would, I would still lean Steph. But I would say it's probably more of a joint situation where your motor, your motivator, is Dre. But it does not work without Steph. No. Same thing with Jokic. It does not work without Jokic. It's a non-starter. And I think those are... And if somebody asked if this is poignant just because, you know, Chauncey's up for the Hall of Fame, like, who was the alpha on that Pistons team? Like, everybody says Sheed. I don't say it. Sheed? Sheed? Ben Wallace. It was Ben and Chauncey. Ben but, Wallace was like, "You are not effing with the Pistons." But that's that's that's. But is Ben Wallace the best player on that team? Hell no. 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 It was it was a committee. They had multiple guys who were alpha type that just like fit together because they 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 had a leader. There was a chemistry and trust with that group too. That like all all time in the league history, it's one of the best. 
Well, it's it's a, it's almost a standalone, really. If you examine the league and who's won the championships in a modern era, that's like a one of one. There isn't another example. <sighs> There's kind of one, and I hate giving them credit because they won't shut up about it. The Celtics. Oh, eight Celtics. See, I that's that's a good example, but I mean, you still had KG, who was not obviously what he was in the early part of Minnesota, but he was still a force defensively. Mm -hmm. D double could still get a bucket. And Ray Allen was like the greatest number three. Like he went from being a number one in Seattle, Milwaukee to like, yo, we need you to be a number three here. But also, catch what, did you, what did you just say? He went from a what? A one to a three. So there's, there's different places of doing that. And I think we often get, I think we often look at the loudest the most it's more often than not it is the case it's your jimmy butlers it's your joel Embiid's, mm -hmm. uh like those Giannis. guys Giannis, like yeah. yeah absolutely don't disagree one bit but there's also your tatums there's your Jokic's, who were a little bit quieter like you go hmm that's that that's all i'm saying is like i i don't think it's always the same but it's it for me for ant I have always thought that Ant was going to be very good. Now, mm -hmm. what what very good varied. Like the, I thought he would be at, at the best a very good starter. And we're, we're, we're talking like when I first saw him. Like if somebody said best case scenario. Shout out Team Mom, Terrible and Biggs because I still remember this conversation. I said he has it, and you just know it when you see it. And I think it's the same thing kind of with an alpha. And there was something about Ant. The first time I watched him play, and even seeing this scrawny 170-pound kid, I'm just like, there's something different about this kid. And that's what kind of gives me faith in them going and finding another gear for him, not only as a player, but as a leader. Because I think he does have it. And I think Chauncey, maybe, maybe I'm projecting, but I think Chauncey sees that too, and I think he's trying to pull it out of him. Um, it's a certain, it's an interesting thing. I know it makes me want to bet is over in the first quarter of, of their game tomorrow against Golden State. Let's go ahead and show you. you. I could drop 20 in any quarter, not just fourths. Also, Danny, can, we, can we just talk about that for a split second? How, yeah. how simple and common it is for us to see Anthony Simons drop 20 in a quarter. Like, I know we had Dame for a decade plus here, so we're kind of like used to seeing that. That's not normal. Okay, sorry. Just had to get that out there because it's just not normal to see guys dropping 20 in a quarter. <laughs> it's just it's I, uh, weird. I, I hope we get a first in organizational history. I know I don't think she did this. I know she threw a towel in Sabas's face during the playoffs against the Lakers. But I hope we get a first in organizational history where a player scores 15 or more in the first quarter and as he heads to the bench, flips his coach off, completely ignores him and sits down and then just barks at him as he gets back up for the second quarter duty. <laughs> I would hope that'd be so I good. Like it. Uh, let's get to the mailbag, Danny. We got a lot of questions. A lot of I, questions. I went through all the questions. So, like, if you don't hear your your Twitter handle shouted out, I, I kind of put you in a category of, like, okay, there's a double booking of some of these questions. So, sorry if we didn't get to yours. I tried to get to as many as we could. Here we go. I'll start. At Ricky Bell's PDX. Are you happy? Basically saying you – I think we had talked about what this season was, what our expectations were, what was reasonable – and then he asks, are you happy with the season so far and what you've seen from the pieces that are obviously a part of the future? 
Hmm. Shout out, Ricky. I was arguing with him about, about drummers right before we were starting. Um, I think what we've seen is... It's going to sound arrogant as hell. Exactly what we talked about. <laughs> like almost... Like almost to a T. Even add the, uh, we're not made for this. I mean, you could just throw that. Yeah, you're not made for this as a fan base. Jeremy's really good. Malcolm's yeah. going to be helpful as a vet. Ant's a lot better than you think you are. Stops yelling, Scoot Shay, Scoot Shay. Like, Ant's really good. Uh, Scoot's going to take a while to figure some stuff out. Shay's going to have good and bad. Like, you run down the things that we kind of ran into to come into the season, and we're, we're hitting, our slugging is like 900 right now. Danny, you, if, you, if you check tape, Go check the tape after the Nurk trade. I had like a three-minute blurb where I ranted about getting Tumani. Like, it all looks so good for us <laughs> right now. So, like, but as far as, like, the pieces that are, like, the obvious future pieces, like, I think this is a little indicative of, like, well, if Ants that's good, well, they would Scoot. Scoot is basically two years before, they're, like, they're looking at any of this. Ants 24, guys. And there's a question in here about how long it, I think it's going to take uh, for this team to get back to the playoffs. It's whoa, a, whoa, 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 you're I, jumping ahead. I, I, I'm just going to put this in there because it's at least two years. Okay. So it's like you have to divorce those two things because they have to sort out who's who and what's what. Uh, second question we've got here on our mailbag on at, uh, the Jack Ramsey's podcast here. At PNW Sports 503, if you could ask any, this is a random one. Uh, but I just wanted to throw it in to kind of mix it up. You could ask any sports podcaster ever any question about the art of podcasting. Mm. Who would it be? And here's my quick answer. I actually wouldn't ask anybody. Podcasting still relatively new in the grand scope of things. And it'd be as simple as I don't need to answer any question. I just need to be first. Take me back in time. Put Danny and me right. <laughs> on a radio station 30 years ago doing this exact same thing. Uh -huh. And we're maybe Mike and the Mad Dog. Like I'm not, I mean, no making ma making literal millions of dollars. But you just if you're if you were first, you're uh -huh. you're in right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like is Mike bring is Mike Greenberg starting a podcast right out of Chicago, out of college, right now with his same personality and breaking through? Is he is he end up with a four letter? Eh. He's great. Eh. He's great. But it, yeah, it, it is it is very different. Um, I had, I had somewhat of a similar answer, but also, um, I'm going to kill a dog here if she keeps going. Sorry. Um, please don't do it live. <laughs> I love my dogs. Um, but the, the world that we live in, okay. Carry it for two seconds. I gotta. Yeah. 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 Well, and look, I, I mean, I mean, literally no disrespect to any of these legendary people, but like she also heard, she heard me. Nope. Now she's doing it again. Okay. The, the media situation is a lot of people that got to do this at the on like at the onset of it all, they benefit greatly. It just is what it is. It's okay. I tell people all the time. If anybody ever asked me professional, hey man, how did you get your start? I always just go, I got lucky. Huh. To be honest with you, I got lucky. Like I did some things that were right, <laughs> but I got lucky. And yeah. that's what kind of life is in a nutshell. No, and I, I was actually that's kind of the route that I was gonna go. And and I was kind of gonna go point this way. Like it, there's a supreme element of luck, but there's also like, God, again, I'm just going to sound even more arrogant than normal. You either have it or you don't. I used to, I still have a severe amount of it. And you and I've talked about this off air, a major issue with imposter syndrome. 
Yeah. And then I was successful on TV and then I was successful on podcasts and then I was successful on radio and I just watched things grow and grow and everything I did just kept growing. And it doesn't say I'm the best. It doesn't say I'm great and amazing, but if you, if somebody else could do it, they would do it. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I and anybody in media has to have this attitude. Like, yeah, we actually are good at this and that's part of it. And I think when you see somebody better, which for me, I look at JJ Redick. Yeah, Redick. Awesome. I think if, if you took him ever playing NBA out of it, I think he would still be an incredible podcaster. I think his his brains, his talent, like his natural talent to just talk, is very real. Like I think that's a that's a it's it's just I don't know like and you can't ask somebody like what is that thing that you do that makes everybody love what you do. It's it's a it's a general <sighs> magnetism, your ability yeah. to pull people in, and that that's the thing that if somebody could answer that, it's worth billions of dollars. Like why are you why do you care what somebody on Twitter says? Why do you care what somebody on the radio says? Why do you care what somebody on a podcast says? It's because of, of it's it's the level that you put them on in your head, and you kind of put them on different levels depending on what you think of them, whether it's their expertise or their perceived expertise or their experience, or fuck, you just like them. And so you, that, that thing, if, if I could pull that answer out of somebody, that would be the thing I could pull out of them. The thing that makes them special, the thing that makes them unique. Jeff Teague, unbelievable on podcasts. And it's yeah. just him being normal. He's just he's just telling you like as if you were sitting next to him in yes. his locker. That's how he's talking. And it's like, but it crushes because it's uniquely him. You yeah. that like that's the thing about this medium, and not just podcasting, but podcasting, radio, storytelling, whatever you want to call it. That's the thing that is just like <laughs> that's 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 where the money is. It's that it's that unique thing. So again, that's like I said, it's gonna sound arrogant as shit, but like that's. Ultimately, like that, that's the question. If I could answer it, like ask it, that's the one I'd want the answer to. At J News eighty two fifty eight, basically saying Chauncey, uh, he said they were at the, he was at the game. They were at the game yesterday, uh, and said Chauncey looked disinterested on sidelines. And uh, I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing and parsing these questions down a little bit. Chauncey looked disinterested on the sidelines to them. How long do you think until he's fired or traded? I wrote that down properly, but it sounds weird to say that out loud. I think he says he looks at sister to being there along with most of the players, like they're waiting for a trade. I think there's a lot of bias in that question. You get somebody that already doesn't I, like Chauncey. I, it's a pretty, yeah. The, yeah the, right now, there isn't a bunch of his players. That are, if this is like who they are. They're all just chill. Chauncey's chill. Do you know how many coaches in the NBA are chill? Like, just because you want Tom Thibodeau going on the sideline, like he hasn't had a bowel movement in two weeks, doesn't mean a coach is any more or less engaged. Also, I've watched Chauncey on the sidelines for every home game. I've seen him lose his collective shit more than I could count. He absolutely destroyed Jabari Walker after a rotation the other night. Lit his ass up for 60 feet. 
Guarantee you it didn't make the cameras. Guarantee Probably not. Guarantee you. It didn't Based make on the that cameras. question, Danny, I'd say it did not make the cameras. It's like he, he says he was at the game. You got to watch a long time. You got to watch it all. DA, yeah, it, it, I would. Yeah. Well, I'll just I, give you a perfect example. Yeah. The, the timeout out of the, the, the out of the third quarter, eighteen seconds in on in the third quarter against the Suns. They're supposed to blitz or um, the Suns, the Mavs. They're supposed to blitz Luca in the mid post when uh, Luca got Ant on the switch in the mid post. Didn't do it. Chauncey calls a timeout. Just chewed Da out. Yeah. All the way to the bench, and then came back to mid court with his hands up in the air, and just started screaming as assistants. Like, I know where people stand with Chauncey, but like, it's a very polarizing. It's a topic very right polarizing. Now, no, very it is. Polarizing. It is, and I get it. And I'm going to say the same thing now that I said about Terry. You don't know everything. I don't know everything. Yeah, but there's I. There are things. Um, there are things as somebody who goes to a lot of the practices and almost every single home game. You hear and see things too that aren't on the record. So like, can't necessarily be. Do you know what I mean? Does that make, yeah. is, is what I'm you, yeah. you're observing thing, and we got it. We got a question. I'm gonna follow up perfectly with this, but there are things that you see and hear that aren't being said at the press conference, or yeah. aren't things that are being written about, or aren't things that are being talked about on radio or television or here that are just kind of like common knowledge of like, uh, yeah, that guy uh, and that guy don't really like each other. That guy really hates practice or that and i'm just spitballing yeah. random things, no, no, but there no. are things like that out there for sure and and with that stuff that's why like and i'll do this on i'll do this on twitter too in the sense of like oh you're giving this chauncey a break or you're giving shaden a break or you're giving ant a break a lot of times i'll give a guy a break because behind the scenes he's injured and He's not injured, injured, but he's banged up. Well, and you, I you know and I he, know and I know that, so I'm not yeah. going to kill him because I just saw in the locker room his ankles this big, and so it's like, yeah, he's probably going through a little bit. Like it's like that. Like the context clues are, and you know this, the context clues are everything to coverage. Yes, and if you like, and that and that's why like. Do I wish That's why Andrew I hated Simons? The Stephen A stuff? I yes. hate the design. It's, it's, bla- it's, it's the black and white. Like there's no in between. There's no like, like. Do I wish Anthony Simons had the ball at the end of the game last night? Unequivocally, yes. When they didn't challenge the call, <laughs> that was uh, called a foul on Anthony Simons. They didn't use the challenge right there. I was livid. Yeah. Like I broke all the decorum. I'm like, what are you doing? Even if you lose that challenge, that is a make-or-break point in that game. They mm-hmm. count. They counted on the Wizards being the Wizards and missing free throws and turning the ball over. Tease having an incredible deflection. Like yeah. the dominoes of of things that needed to happen for them to have a chance, even though the war or the Wizards were gift wrapping it for them after not challenging there, like. I have plenty of criticisms. And if you check my timeline, they're there. Like, playing like shit to start games. Just because of that, though, doesn't mean I think that somebody's about to get fired. Like, 
this is what a young team that is in a first year of a rebuild looks like. And everyone knows it. Yeah. Uh, the final context thing I would add to this, and then I'll ask the next question. Uh, Alan Iverson just did an interview with Rachel Nichols, and she brought up the practice thing, uh, his rant on practice. And and I know a lot of you guys have already heard this, and that's fine, but like just for context of what we're talking of the about. Quote. Well, the rest of the quote also like, his friend had just been murdered. His friend had just died and he was not in a mental yeah. place where he's like caring about practice and like, yo, why are you missing? Or why are you trying hard? Why are you practicing more? Or whatever the question was. And it like, it set him off. And he said his biggest regret was that he didn't share and open up about what was really happening in that moment. And so like, it's one of the more viral sports quotes of all time. And he regrets that it exists because he did not share the full context of why he was just simply saying out loud, we're talking about practice. I'm dropping 50 on any team, any night. My friend's dead. Like, he didn't say that part, but that's kind of what he was thinking. I thought that was interesting, and it adds context to our – there's sometimes I'll, I'll context add, that's not given. I'll further that as it pertains to Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson played with the Denver Nuggets. Mark Warkentine, RIP, was the general manager of, of the uh, Nuggets uh, during that time period. Uh, Mark was one of the first executives to ever give me any inside information 13, 14 years ago. Took me under his wing, and he was incredible to me. Um, I say all that to say he told me we had the Allen Iverson rule. If Allen didn't want to practice, Allen didn't practice. If Allen told us he wasn't going to show up for practice, he wasn't going to show up for practice. He just had to tell us where he was and that he was okay. Because we knew 20 minutes before game time, he was going to be there and he was going to play his ass off for 48 minutes. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing, not public knowledge during his time there. No. There are different, like, people don't want to hear this. There are different rules and expectations for things and interpersonal relationships and behind the scenes and everything that goes on that are not public knowledge. And nor will they be till long after they're done. Yeah. And that's just, um, that's, that's the way this stuff is played. Let me get to this question, Danny, mm -hmm. and kind of piggyback off of what we just talked about at hoops underscore pilled. How are guys gelling behind the scenes? Basically a vibes mm -hmm. check. How are the vibes? Um, Hiken and I, I think are the unofficial vibes monitors of the season. Because <laughs> we're there all the time. And I think uh, you guys definitely care the most about the vibes. We do because look, we're there every game. You guys are there literally every day. We are literally all the only ones there at every game. Yeah. At the end of this season, the only people who can say that they were there for every game will be us, barring another surgery for me. That's it. And so we're around this team and the media side the most. And from a selfish point of view, I don't want to be around if the vibes suck. Because they're already losing a lot. When they're losing a lot and the vibes suck, you're like, oh, this sucks. Remember tanking last year? Yeah. Sucked. Still yeah. there. Through surgery. I'm there. I'm just like, oh, God, this is miserable. This is not fun. You were Hugh Freeze. You were in the suite in a hospital bed watching the game just mm -hmm. so you could be there as a media member. It was, just, un it was amazing. Just, yeah, being full dumb. And uh, <laughs> i tell you what, with the exception of a couple games, that jazz game, ugh. Locker room yeah. after that game was not good. That's uh, just like, oh, we played like absolute dog shit. Yeah, got ran off the floor. Got ran off the floor. Um, after the Mavs game that they lost, 
like they were close and they had that chance. I expected to be like, that's seven in a row. Yikes. I got in there. It was the right temperament. Not too high. Not guys goofing around. But, yeah, you know. In an okay spot. Guys were smiling. Guys were, were like, weren't beating themselves up. Um, after the Suns win, they were celebrating. They were feeling good. Yeah. Guys were, all right, yeah, well, we can do this. And you need to see that. And the, the vibes and the relationships, like, across the locker room, I think I mentioned this before, JG and Tease, it's one of, the, like, the fun, like, really cute, like, relationships. Because they, they're like, you're like, oh, yeah, no, I get that. The young guys and how they relate with people is great. Um, uh, uh, Baji and Rupert with the remix, they both speak French. And that's been kind of huge for both of them. Like, mm-hmm. feeling a little bit more comfortable. Uh, and both those guys are getting more comfortable. Chris Murray getting some time in the G League. He got his confidence. Um, Ant is really well liked by Ray Shea's, like, growing into um, his personality more. Like, when I... I don't know if I've ever told this story. Um, r- rookie year Shaden, we're up in Seattle in the preseason. And this is the first time these guys have ever had media in the locker room because of COVID and shade mm-hmm. not playing in college, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, I just got to be around these guys for a little while so they can get just used to me being around. Yeah. And I see shay has got like three pairs of Kobe's laid out in front of him. And I'm like, there we go. There's, a, there's an in. Like, let me see if I can get him like comfortable. I can just shoot the shit about some shoes. I was like, have you always worn Kobe's? You've always been a Kobe guy. And I mean, his eyes got, I mean, as wide as humanly possible. Remember Jabari Walker's eyes rookie year? <laughs> Big old. <laughs> yeah. That was Shay. Okay. Yeah. And then he like snaps to Rasan, who's the, the Blazers president of PR. And he's like, is this, uh, is this, is this on the record? Or like, is this an official question? <laughs> <laughs> Well, say it that way, dude. Uh, oh, because it was. Is this, uh, on the record? Or? Yeah, no, because it was. He was scared. He was scared to death. He was afraid to talk about Kobe Bryant shoes. Because he was because like. he thought he might be quoted on something. Yes. And it was just, it was like, we busted up laughing. We busted up laughing. And Raw was so proud because he goes, good. It's the right, it's the right response. You're like, um, we're on the same page. You know, PR is coming their ass. It was great. But it was just like. Now I go in the locker room and say, hey, what's up, Shay? Hey, what's up, Danny? You know, like, I, I could come into the middle of a conversation. Oh, what are you guys talking about? And it's just like, those are like the little steps that you see guys kind of growing through as young guys, like becoming yeah. more comfortable. Not, And if they're doing that with me, they're sure as hell doing it with their teammates. Like, uh, they're, they're, they've been doing some team dim- dinners, and uh, I think Jason Quick had it in his article, like more and more guys are going to them. Like, they're, they're becoming closer, closer knit. Yeah, um, and you're just saying like you walk in like I've been in bad locker rooms. <laughs> this is like this 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 is a good locker room. It genuinely is. Like the first like the Neil firing Chauncey Billups first year Norm Cove CJ triumvirate like not a good locker room. Yeah, you text me after one of the games like it is it's dire here. <laughs> <laughs> Help, <laughs> not great, Bob. <laughs> um, but I, the, the locker room right now I think it's great. I genuinely yeah. do. Like, there's, there, guys, guys get along, man. Like, I, I haven't heard any, any, like, even inkling of like a, that guy, not, not my guy. So, no, uh, it's, uh, 
Vibes are good. Vibes are good. At Nerd Runner, what do you attribute to the fall defensively? This is certainly something that Blazer fans, Danny, that we've all noticed watching these games. Uh, we talked a little bit about this before the podcast, but uh, definitely defensively, it does feel the last few uh, weeks they've slipped a little bit. Where What have you made of their fall defensively lately? Uh, shout out Richmond. He had this on his pod first. And we were I was planning on doing this, but he beat me to it uh, because he does them every day. That's because he's a sicko and does like eight podcasts. Yeah, he's a, he's a monster and does them every day. Shout out Richmond. He's been at a couple of games recently, which, you know, being a dad, um, I, I can't sympathize with like trying to go to a basketball game uh with a with a kid so uh it's hard yeah Let i would, ima- I would imagine I, I get home at midnight i would imagine yeah, that when that happens my wife is probably going to kill me a couple different times um but with it being said defensively like if you look at pretty much everything it's all the same it's all the same across the board with the exception of one thing and mike highlighted this as well the difference in turnover rate mm-hmm. they were like a top two-ish unit in turnover rate now they're middle of the pack everything else like if, if i pull it up it's pretty much the same yeah there's like they they're really bad at letting teams get to the rim and their rim finishing like they're just it's a problem like but that was there before ant came back and that's the big mm-hmm. thing is everyone's like oh ants back so that's why the defense sucks mm, no no, the defense is pretty much the same. They're just forcing less turnovers. Why? Because you're substituting offense, i.e. Ant, for Tease or Tumani. Like guys that don't have a ton of offensive utility. Guys that I love and I want to see play, but in the same token, their offense has gone from 30th to 19th. So... You've fallen back a few spots defensively because you're not playing the defensive guys more, but your offense is also whoop, jumped up. Yeah. So we need some more data to kind of take a look at and see what, well, what this thing shakes out at because you're not playing the same schedules. Well, I was going to say, also, you. I mean, look at these games, right? Like, I, we obviously know Washington's not a great team, but they can score. Mm-hmm. Phoenix can score. Golden State can score. Dallas, Dallas. like... Utah on a great night. L.A., the Clippers have been rolling up until just the recent loss against OKC. Uh, Dallas again. Golden State's in here. You've got a Cleveland. like Not, not a lot of crappy teams recently. Not a lot of really bad offensive no. teams either, right? So it's like it's – I don't know. I don't feel like it's been as huge a fall. I think it's just more like, oh, yeah, some of these opponents are very hard for most of the league to there's, stop, let alone a team like Portland. Yeah, but there's some of that, but it's also like they're pretty much the same. Like, again, with a major difference being turnover rate. They're still limiting threes. They're still really good at limiting threes. Like, that's a thing that they're still doing. And they're still good at, like, they're they're quite literally league average in forcing turnovers. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how much, when we get more data, like, where things ultimately bear out. Uh, At Johnny Butler, Johnny with a zero as the O here. How do you balance? We kind of talked about this a little bit, but uh, he, he wanted to know, how do you balance the game-to-game stuff versus knowing this is more of a long-term situation in terms of letdown? And and I, I made my feelings clear. When they lose to teams like Washington at home after beating a Phoenix, uh, I know that team's long-term goal. It still feels devastating in the moment and feels like a lost opportunity because I think winning some games is good for the vibes. Uh, how do you balance the game-to-game stuff you know, hey, they didn't give Ant the ball. Hey, Chauncey's saying there's not an alpha tonight versus knowing there's more of a long-term approach to the situation. 
Yeah, I mean, again, not to bang this drum, but you and I talked about this coming into this year. I told everyone very, and I say this on the radio all the time, I don't care about wins and losses. I, I can't care about wins and losses right now because if I start caring about the minutia of outcomes, I'll blow my brains out. Like, it's just because they've had some games where I'm just like, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> like, but I have completely turned my brain off to that. Yeah. And like, and I know people are like, oh, I don't know about that. I have. Like, people are like, oh, well, you're, you're just, you're not saying a lot of negative things about the team. No, I'm not. And it has nothing to do with doing favors for the team or carrying water for the team. It's for my own bleeping sanity. Well, I hate that I have to say this, but like, what are you, what are you teasing? If if your approach is these guys or this person's not saying enough negative, what's the tease? Hey, coming up on the next podcast, I'm gonna bitch some more. Yes. Hey, eventually it's just like they've won seven games through thirty. Let's keep going about how much they suck. You know, like (laughs) that's not that's not the wave, man. Yeah. Now. It's, it's, I have told this to every player I've ever covered. And you know this, Brandon. I have a rule. Your rookie year or your rookie contract, I don't... You don't overly criticize. I don't yeah. overtly criticize it because you're, you're learning. And you're learning a lot. When you get your next deal, it's all, all, the kid, kid gloves are off. Yeah. All the criticisms, all the stuff that comes with the trappings of having the money, like this comes with the job. Like you've had your time. Okay, now it's time. Like it's the same thing with like the the development, the 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 timeline being reset. This first year is put the you know erase the chalkboard. In next year, now it gets ratcheted up a little bit more. Year three, now we're in. Now we're fully leaning forward in the chair. Yeah. Now we're leaning forward in the chair. Okay. This has been here. We've got eighteen months of this, you know. Or hey, we have eighteen months of this. You know, like, like you can start making real decisions on things, and that's kind of like I, I take a look at that in that sense. So, uh, let me pull it up right now. The the live measurements. Uh, yeah. Let's see, they are currently expected to win. Now, what's cleaning glass say? Twenty seven point eight wins. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the last two weeks. That's that's the pace they're on for the last two weeks. Let me. Okay. Be backing up for the whole season. By the way, 27 would still be the under. Still be the under. Yeah. Uh, expected wins for the Portland Trailblazers. Going back, going back, going back, going back. Where the hell is it at? I scroll over them. Oh, yeah, okay, I scrolled over. 25.1. Yeah. So, can you still hear the dog? No, I cannot hear the oh, dog. Fantastic. Actually, just, just you know what's funny? Is- crazy. You literally just said that, and my daughter texts me, our dog just threw up downstairs, so I cannot wait to get off to go clean awesome. that pile up. <laughs> uh, let's let's get through some of these a little quick. Yeah, All let's right. go. This, Thanks for this is from at Carnator. Is Chauncey too focused on maxing uh, reps for young guys versus solidifying stronger lineups? I think it's an interesting question, Daddy. How do you, how do you view what he's doing? Doing with the young guys. Certainly an interesting question. A little peek behind the curtain. Brandon and I, before the show, I talked about how it was driving me crazy. The difference in people like, why isn't Scoot getting minutes? And then when Scoot gets minutes to close the game, why is Scoot closing? The lead is disappearing. (laughs) Y'all can't handle a rebuild. That's why. It's tough. tough. And Chauncey's trying to find that balance because he wants to win. 
I actually think I'll defend him here. I, I think I he's not... actually struck a pretty good balance when it comes to that. Like if Scoot showed he's had it, he gets the opportunity. He puts Scoot on the bench. Right? He took him out of the lineup when he got hurt and brought him back. He said, no, you're going to be on the bitch. We, yeah. We've got something kind of going here. We can talk about play selection and whatnot, but like I think on this particular question, he's actually done a good job. I, I know that's controversial to say in the city right now. I think on the ways he's using guys versus solidifying strong lineups, it may not be 100%, but no coach ever really does. I think it's been a relatively good job kind of mixing in the young guys with some of the vets. Um, at Julio Cantu, how will Blazers fare in their next four? Which would then lend him to say, what's the record in 20 to start 2024? What do you think their next four? They're at Golden State tomorrow, Sacramento at home, day after Christmas, uh, San Antonio doubleheader, and then we go into the new year. How do you think they <sighs> fare in those next a four? one and three possible two and two situations. San Antonio is so bad. San, yeah, Gundy. So Gundy. Bad. Well, I rode that with Gundy. Well, you really, because I text with Gundy, and Gundy was like balls deep on the Spurs. Yeah, I I said 30. 30? Yeah, I did. He said playoffs. Yeah, I got that text too. (laughs) (laughs) I love Gundy, man. I said I'm not going that high. 30? (laughs) I I, I could go 30. Um, I didn't think the Spurs would have the audacity to do the Sohan experiment this long. I can't believe this is still happening. I mean, I commend them. Explain that. I commend them because they're 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 taking every last bit. Like they're they're ringing this thing out, see if they can get it. Because if he can, it's a boon for them. Yeah, it is. We'll see. It becomes kind of like a not not a Draymond, but kind of a Draymond esque kind of player, like a toolsy, defensive, athletic four with like elite playmaking tools. And you're like, "Mm, I could be talked into that. I will say two and two suck. Two and two, and one of their uh, one of their two wins. Neither of the two wins will be against San Antonio. One will be, but I think they end up beating a Sacramento at home. I know that's a ballsy take, but I think they they'll get one off those Spurs because it's stupid hard to win these freaking series games. Whether yeah. they're the worst team in the league or the best team in the league, like remember last year? Remember we got super excited about the shorthanded Blazers beating the Suns on the front end of that home and home yep. in Phoenix, and it was like. I don't know, guys. I think the next game, they're going to suck. And they lost by like 40. It was like, yeah, that'll happen when you got tape on the guys and you just played them. So Yeah. Uh, at the Nason, what time is the doomsday clock at for Blazer fans in terms of handling the rebuild? Oh, shit. That thing went off three times. I mean, what did the climate scientists say? Like, we're we're two minutes away from doom? Yeah. It feels like we're at 1157. Yeah. No, I, I, you kidding me? I think it's gone off already. Yeah, I mean, it's I, it's, it's like a, my mentions are a bloodbath after every loss. Thankfully, it's not the Pistons because at this point in time, my God, boy, that is. Remember what I always say: it can always be worse. Danny, we might be looking at a worse team than the nine win seventy sixers. It's yep. unbelievable. At PDX underscore the underscore God, how do we evaluate the job Chauncey has done? We've talked a lot of Chauncey <laughs> in this pod. How do we evaluate it at the end of the season? Okay. And I think that that's at least what it is for me. And it has nothing to do with the record and has everything to do with like, what do we, what do we know about Ant? Yeah. What do we know about Scoot? What do we know about Shea? What do we know about two? What do we know about DA? Like we know who Jeremy is. Mm-hmm. We know exactly who Jeremy is. Like that's, he's a vet vet. Um, and then kind of like, what do we know about Chauncey? 
Like, what do we know about his development? Like, how much buy-in? Like, how much more growth? How much does this team kind of make more sense or not? Because this next offseason is going to be the first of many kind of forks in the road of which way they go with certain things. Mm -hmm. And you have to kind of tick a box of like, yep, I think Chauncey's on the right path with these guys. They're buying in. The development process makes sense. Or, I don't know, does it make sense with where they're at right now? And yeah, you kind of make the evaluation process for there, but the in-season process for a young team coach, mm-mm, nope, not touching that with the ten-foot pole. Yeah, especially in December for me, like that's, that's still way too early in such a, a you know a bleak season. At cease twenty-five, do you think there's a move before the deadline? Absolutely, I do too. I think it's absolutely. <laughs> I don't at this point in time. I, I, multiple people in the organization have told me that they're just not interested in moving Jeremy Grant. So. Oh, I don't. I don't think that's happening. Uh, I'm not mad at that. Malcolm feels like not for long. Yeah, I, I think. I think uh, Malcolm. I think Tease could probably could possibly be in there. I think it's probably the, between those two. Uh, that kind of hurts. I like Tease. I do too. But teams like other other veteran teams would. would no, like I know. Him. Given their situation, yeah. I understand it. At Spoon Island Seven. Uh, says he thinks the position of need is a three or a four. Do you agree that that's the area? I do. Um, and where do you lean? Do you, really, you lean more, a little more three, right? I, I actually lean more four. I think two's kind of got that spot locked in. I and think, Jer- but you just said Jeremy's not. But he's also the oldest of them. I think that's okay. the, you got to have some an understudy, so to speak. Um, th- I was talking to a coach in actually preparation for this question before the before today, and I asked him, you know. Because to me, the most valuable commodity, and we've talked about this, most valuable commodity in the NBA is playmaking. Shout out Phil Beckner. Shooting is the separator, but the most valuable commodity in the NBA is playmaking. It's either you have it or you don't. You can't teach feel. And I think like it, they need to truly be great. They need some sort of playmaker yeah. on the wing. Whether it's a three or a four, like maybe you get a guy that's the same size as Tumani, maybe a little bit bigger, and it's like, they play the wings. Cool. Or you get that rarest of like Jokic fives where there's a playmaking hub, a Sabonis type. But at the three, four, five, the front court, they need a playmaker. They they not not a guy that they can can pass. Like they need a hub. And that's the to me the hardest thing to find in the entire NBA. I would actually say to, to just piggyback on that, I think it's the most underrated thing of the one seed in the West right now is Cat's been a better playmaker this year for the Timberwolves than I thought he would be. He's been really good. You got to give him this. He's accepted this role as not being the best shooting big man of all time. Yes. Also, there's an alpha name, Anthony Edwards, that just says get out. Ding, 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 ding. Last one. Wrap it up here. Oh, actually, I got two more. At PNW underscore roots. Should Roy's jersey be retired? I went a rant on this after he was given his. Kind of standing ovation against Phoenix. I believe that's the second time, maybe the third, they've done this. I'm kind of tired of it. Like, can we just, can we raise the jersey already? It feels like we just keep building to it and building to it. I just want to see it happen already. I don't want to keep dancing around this issue. This is the first time it's been as an official part of the team. Like, that's that's what that was. Brandon hasn't been courtside before. Because somebody, I had said that I had seen they, him at a game. They highlighted him in the crowd, and like that was. But he's like, like the low hunter level. He wasn't yeah, courtside. He, he wasn't comfortable being there. Hmm. And it wasn't necessarily the Blazers as much as it was like being back in the NBA. This is his first time. This uh, 
this is the Blazers bringing him back into the fold, bringing alumni into the fold. Do not be surprised to see Brandon Roy and Lamarcus Aldridge become a part of this team again, like being a part of the alumni, the yeah. two most important players of the last generation of the the of the two thousands. Yeah, like uh, Dame, obviously notwithstanding. I'm talking, on, you know, players no longer playing. Um, don't be surprised to see them become a part of the organization. Like that's that is their alumni now. Like that's the next generation of alumni, and I think they're you're ve- you're getting much closer to seeing an honor for Brandon Roy coming down the pipe. I'd love to just get it done with. Uh, he's you know I know you're, where he ranks for you, and obviously mm-hmm. he's very high for me as well. Uh, at Seeker Xbox is the last one. Thoughts on Aiton so far? I kind of got into a little bit with the hands thing. Um, I think there is still something more to be found there. Um, da is a guy that vacillates between on and off, and that's that, that's a real thing. His on is man, is it good? Like yeah, when he's on, it's there's no question. Hitting 15 footers, just ripping the net, like pick and pop, throwing it down. He's starting to sprinkle in like these little inklings of playmaking. Like it's 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 robotic. Like don't get me wrong, it's, this isn't like prime Jokic, like or Sabonis throwing behind the back. You know, behind well, nobody the is. Man. But nobody you know what I mean. Like, but you can still see the overwhelming talent. Yeah, it's just a matter of like bringing it out and managing it. And that, that is a real thing. Um, I was actually impressed through the first six weeks of the season when he basically didn't get to touch the ball because of how many guys were out and him good soldiering it. I thought he went through about a 10-day period where stuff was pretty tough for him and it was a hard sure. watch. And I think the last probably three or four games, he's been trending significantly upward. If Even if he has struggled uh, with some turnover stuffs and just some really poor timing on a missed shot. Um, but I think they are getting better there, but there's still a lot more of them to go. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree with anything. I think there are moments where I'm like, be aggressive, take, mm-hmm. take this right now. And like a kick out or a nonchalant. I'm just, but for the most part, I think in the last few games, I've been pretty happy with it. I, again, his field goal percentage against Phoenix was terrible, but I thought when they needed him to be good, he was good. Last night, a bit of a slow start for him against Gafford. I thought eventually settled in and started doing some really good things for mm-hmm. them. Uh, that's, I mean, there's more questions, but that's basically it. But we're at an hour 15, so. The hour 15, the mailbag, there you go. A long-winded way of answering all the questions. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Like, rate, subscribe, help us grow the show. At Jack Dramsies, at Danny Brink, at Brandon's Break. Email the show, jackdramsies at gmail.com. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas. We're, we're, we'll take a couple days off, let everybody chill for Christmas. We'll come back. Uh, the Blazers play on the 26th. Um, obviously, they play tomorrow as well, but they play on the 26th as well. Um, probably after that game, I, I hate saying this out loud, but I've been thinking about doing it. I'll probably start doing some Danny After Darks. I've had the, I've had I've had the itch to do some, some only dance, some only dance. Um, I get a little lonely post holidays, if you know what I mean. Um, but I'll uh, I'll start working a few more things in there. Uh, I took a little bit of a break writing. If you've noticed, like there's more writing up. It's coming out much more frequently now. Um, so thank you, uh, everybody. Subscribe or everybody who wants to subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, we'll have a film session right after Christmas. I'm not, I'm not, I, the December film session is going to be in January. I'm not going to try to get you guys to spend an hour or two. Uh, so we'll double up in, in the early part of January when, you know, you're supposed to be at uh 24 hour fitness or whatever gym you signed up for. Um, I look, I'm, I'm saying it for me too. So, 
Oh, get it twisted. When everybody's got their resolutions. Yeah. I'm going to lose that 25 pounds I yeah, just gained. Yeah, 100%. Uh, <laughs> we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for riding with us again. Like, rate, review. Uh, like, rate, review. Help us grow the show. Um, you know what's the, the, the best gift? Best gift? Best gift? Give the gift of Jack Ramsey's to your family members. Tell them about this all at all your family functions. Hey, there's two jackasses that I really like listening to. Here's the link. Uh, and help or alpha out. though you got to listen to him be careful yeah, go into it with some it, alpha it is yeah it's, it's an alpha level podcast it's two <laughs> alphas that's actually the name that's actually in the, the podcast now it's two alphas yeah yeah so uh for brandon uh thank you guys actually you know what, brandon go ahead you got anything no i was just gonna say merry christmas there you go. Yeah, uh that, that part I, you know what I love about live radio is when mm. we make fun of each other, and I can clearly see you're chipping over your words here. So we're just going to sign off. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> like, rate, review. I haven't we'll even started drinking yet. We've got Patreon access coming with Danny. And uh, thanks for all the great questions, guys. Keep riding with us. I know it's a tough season win-loss-wise, but there's a lot of great things to keep following. And so we appreciate all the interaction we've had. Happy New Year. Merry New Year, as Eddie Murphy would say. Yes. We'll talk to you guys soon. Right, take care, guys. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.